0: Nobody can survive, hardly anybody. I don't know anyone that can survive by themselves. They need the team. Welcome to
1: Conversations with Connors, a NetworkWise podcast. And I'm your host, Adam Connors. NetworkWise trains and educates individuals and organizations in the science and art of networking to accelerate sales, personal development, and career opportunities. In Conversations with Connors, I talk with a variety of highly successful individuals in order to gain insights on how they built, maintained, and cultivated their relationships in order to live a life by design, not by default. Think of the last time you were able to ask a question, whether it was in a classroom setting, at work, or in the boardroom. We often glamorize hard skills, think STEM, and neglect the soft skills. Well, one of the most basic and least recognized soft skills is empathy. My guest for today, Larry Freed, is a man who exemplifies empathy, humanization, and giving back. In fact, he created a company and a product based on this very foundation. That company is Give and Take, and that product is give a a platform where people can take their biggest challenges into a trusted community and receive help. It's a great product that I can attest to firsthand, having been a fortunate recipient of some excellent business advice there. Larry and I sat down and had a thoughtful conversation where he shared some great insights about his background and personal motivations. He also shared some takeaways regarding common threads he has noticed amongst the most successful people that he's worked with. And trust me, there are many. You know a Conversation with Connors wouldn't have missed the topic of networking, something that Larry holds near and dear and attributes a cornerstone of his success to. In regards to networking, he gave some excellent pointers on how to get the most out of a networking event, as well as professional networking in general. Spoiler alert, focus on others. We also discussed the value in asking questions and why you shouldn't be afraid to do so. The beauty in giving back and the root of his company, Give a The only question left to answer at this point is, when do you get to listen to Larry? Well, that answer is now. So enjoy my conversation with Larry Freed. Where does this stack up in some of the things or some of the businesses that you've built and compared to some of the other things that
0: you've done in life? This is an exciting one. Yeah. It's exciting because of the potential impact on people. In a perfect world, you find a business that you enjoy and you're passionate about that can do good for people and make money. And when you can get all those ingredients together, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah is this the culmination of everything that you've done it really is yeah it was interesting as you look back on your career and you think about how you become a leader and become a person on a team and in any role and then you roll forward to this and it's like taking all the things that i've learned over the years and it's very much in sync with what we're trying to do as a company and what wayne baker and adam grant are out there talking about every day and so it's just a great melding of the minds and of the experiences and the history growing up through different kind of companies.
1: How about that as a trifecta? You, Wayne Baker, and Adam Grant? Yeah, well,
0: there's Adam Grant and Wayne Baker, and then there's me. Uh, So I'm just the guy doing the execution. But, you know, it's really fun being around people that are just so brilliant in very unique ways. I've had experiences with other academics and commercialization of technology and whatnot. And these guys are just so smart. And it's inspiring and it's motivating when you have that kind of intelligence and brilliance behind you yeah
1: so for those who aren't familiar with who
0: you are or your company and what it is that you're doing and the technology do you mind sure edifying us yeah so we're a company called give and take and it's about taking the principles that you would have read about in the book give and take by adam grant which was a bestseller and really in, in many ways a manifesto for people that want to do well in business and i think adam talks about himself as a psychologist for business people and when you think about that Doing things the right way, you can do well and you can do good at the same time. Anyway, so Give and Take's a company that takes these principles and applies them in products that will help companies do this every day. So we created a platform called Givitas, which is a purpose-built platform for creating a safe place for people to seek help when they don't know where to go. Targeted at large enterprises, but also has great application in associations and community groups and entrepreneurial ecosystems and events, create a place where people can help each other. And it's really about creating it a safe place, an easy place to ask for help you don't know who to ask and make it really easy to be a giver on five minutes a day. That along with a few other things that sort of drives our vision about showing gratitude and showing recognition of people that are helping others. So it's a lot of fun, and it's a great product that complements a lot of the other things that people are doing in organizations today. Yeah. So if you don't mind, share with everyone you were telling me about what the most difficult part. When I started with working with Adam and Wayne on this, I thought the hardest thing would be to get people to help others. Because you think that's tough, right? And part of it's tough because it can be time-consuming, and it can be... Difficult for them to have the bandwidth to do it. But the real hard part is getting people to ask for help. And through all my career, I always would ask and felt that was the right thing to do and would always speak up. I remember I was getting interviewed for a promotion and my boss's boss is talking to me and I walk into the office and I sit down and he goes, well, I know you're going to tell me everything I want to know and I don't want to know. And I walked out thinking, was this good or bad? But it's a compliment, right? So, But the real challenge in all this is getting people to ask for help. And a lot of that's because we've created a stigma in most organizations about asking for help. So the old saying, go to your boss with a a solution, not a problem, is really upside down. If you're the leader, you're there to support the organization. People shouldn't be afraid to ask you for help. So we've created this culture in many organizations and a lot of companies are trying to change it, but it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of things to change it to create a safe place to ask for help. And when people ask for help, they think it exposes their weakness. I've always viewed it as asking for help as a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. And the reason it's a sign of strength is because when you ask for help, you're putting the problem you're working on, the company you're supporting, the customer you're serving, or whatever the case may be, in front of your own ego. You want to get the right answer. You want to get the help you need to do the best job you can. And as a company, that's what you want everyone one of your employees to do. But it doesn't always work that way. So getting people to ask for help is a lot harder than it is to actually get people to give the help. That's interesting. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you. What's the nicest thing that someone's ever done for you? Nicest thing someone's ever done for me. You invited me to this podcast. <laughs> 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 the nicest thing. Wow, that's a tough one. I've had a lot of nice things done for me. You don't have success without getting help, which is really key. It's hard to pin down a one, but I had a, when we started the last company I did before this one, Having a CEO at the time that said, go off and do this, and it really encouraged me to do it. And without that, I probably wouldn't have gotten into entrepreneurship. So there's a lot. And you think of nice things. First thing that comes to my mind is my parents, right? (laughs) Clothing me, feeding me, but also instilling in me the values I have today, which you get from somewhere and you really get them from your parents. Well,
1: let me ask you this. What
0: values of those do you think most contributed to the success that you've had? Working hard, be passionate about what you're doing. And treat people with great respect. Your employees, your team are the most important asset most companies have. My dad was in business for himself for years, all different kinds of small businesses. I'll never forget he would tell me stories like he had a restaurant and I'd go in on the weekends and help out when I was a young kid, carrying boxes, moving stuff around. And when he had employees that were incredibly loyal to him, at his funeral, probably 20 of his employees from 10, 15, 20 years ago showed up. And they made a point to see my mom and thank her. And he used to help put kids through school. He'd loan them money. And sometimes I'd say, he'd tell me about it, and I'd say, why did you do that? It's a big risk, they're just an employee. And he's like, I do good for them, they do good for me. There's no reason not to do it. <laughs> so it's a lot of what our company's about. It's a lot of what Adam Grant writes about in Give and Take, paying it forward. Do good things for people and good things happen to you, and it's not really a coincidence. We sometimes refer to it as good karma, but it's more than that, it's because you end up creating those relationships with people where people want to help you. And that's hugely valuable. So what
1: can you do? I love the product. It was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. I think your story is really awesome, especially now more so hearing it firsthand. I like the product. Obviously love all the stuff that Adam is about. How do we get this out to more people to encourage people to give and also to take? Right. How do we do that? And why do you think that there needs to be a technology
0: and that people aren't doing this on their own anyway. Right, right. So as you know, networking is really key. And, and a lot of this came out of creating exercises to get people to network better, to get people to ask for help because you expose a weakness. And you. if I say I need help, it gives other people the opportunity to help me. And that's the greatest way to create a network. It's the greatest way to get a mentor is not to ask for a mentor, but to ask somebody for help. right? And over time, you build a relationship. So All that networking, which you're so much about, has value. But how can we take that exchange of information and that knowledge sharing that builds that social capital and make it part of your everyday practice, right? You can't just do it at networking events. That's sort of the start. But then we go back to our desk. Then we go back to our job. More and more people are working remotely, geographically dispersed, different time zones, right? That makes networking harder. But we can still create a platform that lets them continue on that knowledge sharing, continue on that virtual networking, if you will, and most importantly, create relationships. Do you have any
1: stories? I mean, I know the the company's early, but do you have any stories that come to mind of successes
0: that have been the outcome of using Givitas? Yeah, we've seen a lot. I mean, it doesn't take long for the successes to start to boil up. It might be a referral that someone's looking for a new job. Uh, We've seen things like that. We've seen where people, we had a guy in one of our networks that had developed a new product was looking for beta testers, right? Without getting those people to test that product early on, he doesn't go anywhere, right? We've seen situations where people have tasks at hand and some of them seem relatively minor but they don't know what to do whether it's a small company setting up an FMLA policy or maybe we actually saw one that was when I read it I was like wow it's really a shame that I had to read this but it was about they needed to do active shooter training in the organization right which it's really sad that we have to think about that in companies these days but Nonetheless, they were able to get help on how to do that. And so sometimes they're small and tactical and sometimes they're very big and strategic. I saw one request recently where someone was looking for leadership training because they really wanted to move into leadership and they felt they needed a way to get a boost. And others, people that had been there and done that were giving them books, were sharing examples, were telling them different events to go to. And we all need that help to be successful. No one can do it on their own. Mm. So if we can enable that and make it easy to both ask for help, but also easy to give that help. It's just, it's a win, win, win. Yeah, agreed. Have you noticed a theme of the types of questions that you're seeing? They're all over the board and that's actually the fun part of it. Sometimes they're personal requests. I was at an event, which was, we have a community, a ring, we call it a ring up for this event. And I was given a little debrief as to what kind of requests had been asked for. And one of them, the person came up to me that had made the request, she was a new mom and looking for help in hiring a nanny right so nothing related to business so to speak i mean sort of is because without the nanny she had a hard time going back to work but the help she got was invaluable because it made it an easier transition for her right she felt comfortable she got the assurances that it's going to work out got the right guidance which where do you go for stuff like that some people have people to go to some don't but if i can reach out to a larger audience and start to harness the collective intelligence of the group it just becomes really powerful the other really thing that, that i find Incredible and sometimes we won't even know when this happens. But one, you never know what you're gonna get unless you ask for help. And the second is sometimes the greatest collaboration and innovation can come from places you least expect it. So how do I speed that process along by getting more people involved in the conversation? You get the multiplier effect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's
1: funny. So I demoed it. I'm on it. I right, like it. Right. And Sarah and she's saying, "Hey, listen, the group that you're going to be on, it's really small. So don't. Might take a little bit to get any type of traction. It's still early. But within a day, right. someone jumped on, gave me a give to my ask." That ended up being excellent. Right. Yeah. Uh, I talked to this gentleman. He's excellent. I might even be able to engage his services, but it turns out we know a bunch of people in kind. And I think the person who referred me, I think she was in Virginia, yeah but referred me to someone who's in New York who I, we know a lot of the same people. And I've actually even already passed his information on to somebody else. Don't know if they've engaged him or not, but he's right. a perfect example right. of within less than 24 hours. Right. And, and I don't know how many people are on that ring but imagine. It's a, it's a
0: little over hundred. It's a small the group. One that I'm like, using, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, they give it to us for leaders, right? yeah. yeah. So we've created a, some of these out there for people to sort of experiment with, and it's remarkable. It's not, the smaller the group and the less sort of day-to-day time that they spend together, this is a group of people that all have day jobs and all doing different things and yet are able to help each other and collaborate. And so it's actually really exciting. Now, if you do it within an organization, there's going to be a lot more interaction because things come up every day in most people's work where they, huh, how do I do that? Who do I ask for that? I need a referral into here, whatever the case may be. So it can be something that's used frequently or sporadically and still can provide great
1: value. Yeah, it's nice to have that asset. So I'm going to play devil's advocate with okay. you for a second. So,
0: how is Givitas any different than a LinkedIn group? we kind of fit between a lot of things that are out there today. I put them in sort of general or Facebook, Facebook, whatever. right? Yeah. I think of them as general purpose collaboration tools as one group. And I put Slack and Yammer and Microsoft Teams in there. And there's a bunch of others workplace by Facebook. Then I look at there's like the networking tools like LinkedIn, which is a really powerful tool. I'm a big LinkedIn fan. I use it all the time. And then there's knowledge management tools that SharePoint and the like. And we really sit in between all of those. We're different than all of them, and we, I think, are very complimentary. So a LinkedIn group is a little bit more about announcing things. It's more of a broadcast channel, right? You get a somewhat like-minded people together, which is a great step, and there's anything's fair game. But most of the time, most of the groups end up being more, I'm gonna tell you what I need in terms of business or marketing. It's more of a broadcast. It's usually not an ask for help. One of our philosophies is, is that The process of sharing knowledge by asking for help is so important, it should be a unique approach to it. Mm -hmm. And by making a unique, or what we call it a purpose-built platform, you can do things that you wouldn't have been able to do in a general purpose platform like a LinkedIn. We know a status of a request. A request for help has a need by date. Oh, I like that. A lot of different features. And it's all about making it an easy place to ask for help and making it a really efficient place to give help. Because I would notice, you know, over the years, I've met a lot of people and try to help a lot of people. When someone asks for help, I always try to do it if I can or refer them to someone. But often it gets lost in my email. And I oh, you know, I, I know Sally asked me for an introduction. She's looking for a new job. I can't remember when I got the request. Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and remember it. Like, oh, I owe this person some help. But it's just not convenient in my email because I don't have one place to go to see all the requests for help. I don't know if they've already solved the problem or not and don't need my help, right? Those kinds of things. So by making it purpose-built, we can really do a lot to improve that efficiency and make it easier on both sides. And that improves the collaboration and improves the knowledge sharing. One of the things that I also
1: liked about it is that it gives expirations. Yeah. So you get an email. I've received yeah, a, media, a yeah. reminder, yeah, hey, this is two days
0: to go until it expires. I thought that That's was a That's a big good part idea. of our strategy. So most of those general purpose platforms, if I had a hazard to hazard a guess of what their internal metric of success is, it's how much time you spend on them. We take sort of an opposite view. We don't want you to spend all day on our platform. We have one purpose, one purpose only, and if you don't come to give a to us, Give a toss is going to come to you so if you don't like coming into a platform and browsing through the open requests that have been made that need help you'll get an email and you can set the configuration as to when and how often you get it but it'll tell you about all the new requests that need help with a link that will take you right to where you can give that help so we may not see some people coming to the platform very often but they're looking at those emails every day and for some people That's an easier and quicker way to see if I can help. And they can get it through email, they can get it through text, they can get it through Slack, they can get it through Yammer. So we give them a lot of of flexibility. Take the issues, take the content to where people live their life. And if that's an email, great. If that's on our platform, great. If it's in Slack, great. That's where we see us really working with the ecosystem instead of fighting the ecosystem. You you understand the subjective nature in which people work. Yeah, everybody's different, right? Some people love Slack, some people hate Slack, some people love email, some people hate email. And the reality is, is they serve different purposes and we're sort of another one, but we're doing it in a way that it doesn't feel like you have an extra tool that you have to pay attention to because it'll pay attention to it for you. So I know that it's
1: still in its early stages, but have you
0: onboarded any
1: large corporations yet? And I don't know, you don't need to say the name, but I'm leading to a question.
0: Yeah, no, we have. I mean, we're focusing on large corporate and mid-sized corporate, and we're also focusing on associations and communities. And we've got some of all of those working with the product. So what's been the feedback from the corporations?
1: Have they noticed that the employees are engaged? And if so, what has been some of the outcomes
0: of the engagement? Yeah, good question. They are engaging and it varies from company to company. A little has to do with the culture at the company. So in addition to helping with knowledge sharing and in addition to helping build social capital, it also helps support a move towards a culture of more collaboration and more sharing. And so some organizations, that's the key driver. That's why they're doing it. For some, it's, we know there's a lot of knowledge locked up in people's heads and we're seeing higher turnover than we've seen before. We're seeing more remote workers. We're seeing a lot of trends, low employee engagement across the most companies. Although almost everyone says, no, ours is great, right? But the reality <laughs> is, the hood. is yeah, yeah, the reality is it's usually not. And it's, We've seen outcomes of people improving the relationships. I mean, first and foremost, they're getting to know people and connecting and getting and sharing information with people they didn't know before, and that's a huge positive. Social capital being the relationships you have and the resources you can bring to bear as a result of that—that's the power as we go forward in HR. So, so you HR. see this as building this- building, building social so- capital, yeah. yeah. And it's not that you're going to create a new best friend necessarily but you make an ask and somebody helps you you know who they are there's a picture you can look at their a little bit of bio on them and so on and you may not but you see them interacting with the network and you start to get to know them a little bit and so now the ease of comfort one of the other sort of byproducts is we make a platform that's inclusive to everybody on it so the old saying, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know, which could be confused with social capital, but it's a little bit different. There, it's about having access to people, right? Oh, I know that person. I can go ask them for help, which not everybody can. In our platform, everybody's involved. Everybody's there. It's all transparent. And so it's a little bit of an inclusive product in a way, right? And that when I make a request for help, everybody sees it, not just the people that I have built a relationship with. And that builds more relationships. And so that's a big benefit. We've seen benefit of solving very specific and tactical problems, knowledge that they don't have, they don't know where to find it, they're able to get that information. And so we see lots of benefits and they keep coming out every day, which is exciting.
1: You're creating a network and
0: I love what a a true network is. It surrounds the weakness of an individual with the strength of the team. Exactly, right? Because it's all about the team. I went to school at the University of Michigan. I'm a big University of Michigan fan. And if anybody that's listening to this is a U of M fan, they're gonna know this saying, the team, the team, the team, right? We live by it and that's what networking is all about. Nobody can survive Hardly anybody. I don't know anyone that can survive by themselves. They need the team. And if the sum of the parts is better than the individual pieces, that's huge success.
1: We'll rejoin our conversation in just a moment. If you're enjoying this podcast as well as our other episodes, please support us using Patreon. Just visit patreon.com networkwise. All patrons will receive early access to podcasts and exclusive networking advice. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash networkwise. Thanks for listening. And now let's rejoin the show.
0: So why do you think most people do a really poor job of networking? They want to be known as the guy that helped others. And we can support that as well by doing leaderboards and things like that. So... It's about creating an environment that feeds upon itself, and we've seen that in some of the rings that we've put up that it starts to go, and it sort of takes on a life of its own. In the early days, sometimes you've got to get people to engage, right? you got to get them over that comfort level, but the whole thing is transparent. There's no direct messaging in it. Everybody has another mechanism to do that, right? We don't want to replace what you're doing to talk to people directly one-on-one, but when they see it transparent, when they see what's going on, it's an encouragement for everybody else to get involved which is powerful. So it builds on itself. It Mm -hmm. it becomes a life of its own and it will continue to go and grow. So I like what you were mentioning to me earlier about
1: being able to use Givitas also after a conference. Mm -hmm. I thought
0: that was an excellent. Do you mind expanding on that a little bit and how it could be used in that capacity? Conferences have two big values and I've done a lot of them. I've been at a lot of them. I've spoken at a lot of them over the years. And one is you get content, which is great. And the other is you network. Right? Content content, content. Content, yeah. That's that's a great way to say it. But then you leave and you exchange some business cards. I mean, I literally have boxes and boxes of business cards and some of the people, unfortunately, I don't even know who they are. But I don't think I've ever thrown out a business card someone's given to me. (laughs) It feels like I I literally have boxes of them at home. And so I go to these conferences and I'm getting content, speakers, experts are up talking, I'm listening. But a lot of every conference is that networking, that time to mingle and get to know people. And then you all go back to your day jobs. So by using our platform, you can actually keep that community together where they can continue to help each other, continue to ask for help from others. And the beauty of it is because we give you a specific purpose of ask for help, it actually gives you a reason to get involved where if you all went off and joined a LinkedIn group, I mean, it could work, but what am I supposed to do there? Am I supposed to post a question? Am I supposed to post an announcement? Am I supposed to market my product? LinkedIn would probably tell you all of those, nothing wrong with that. Reality is, is for ours, it's about asking for help. So now you have a place to go to ask for help. And so it's great at keeping that community together after the event. So how do you weed
1: out the takers? Because we know what a taker is, right? You know, someone who's just, we know the taker. Right, right. So, so how do you, and they're everywhere. So yeah. I know that I love the fact that this, well, I'll
0: let you explain it. I don't want to steal your thunder, but we actually go, yeah. go for it. Yeah. So right. takers are those that will do anything to get ahead. And then Adam Grant comes up with this term fakers, which I love, which is those people that they try to look like a giver, but they really are a taker, right? Yeah. And we all, when we think back, we all know those people. In, yeah. yeah Dress in cheap suit, right. And so the beauty of the platform is that It's all transparent. Everyone sees what's going on. And so takers have a tendency to get involved. When you think about what makes a taker a taker, usually they're super competitive. They want to be seen as the best. It's all about their own success. And they like to be recognized for that too. Takers are usually not people that are quiet about it, right? So here you've got a platform where everybody can see and we have leaderboards and you can see who's giving and who's helping others. That makes it compelling for takers to participate. And we've seen that in our research that takers will participate. We may not turn them into a giver. Maybe we will. But more importantly, if you're an organization, they're contributing, they're contributing. And so it's a value to everybody, right? Because sometimes those takers are hugely successful and have done a lot of great things. If they could impart some of that wisdom on somebody else, it's a benefit to the organization. So getting takers to participate is huge. We're able to do that because of the nature of the platform.
1: So going back to your father and some of the things that have instilled in you, do you feel that you've always
0: been a giver to some degree? Is that something that's like, I guess it's been instilled in you? Yeah, I think it was. And I didn't really realize it. You mentioned Sarah who works with us and I've known Sarah for probably close to 20 years now. And when I told her about this initiative, about this company, I was gonna, thinking about jumping in and taking on. And I wanted to know if some of my colleagues that I'd worked with before would join. And I talked to Sarah and and she's made a comment that this talks about you. You're always helping people. And I guess I didn't really think of myself in that way, but it's just how I was taught, how I grew up help others. Adam Grant uses this line, the guys that give other, nice guys can finish on top, right? They don't always, but they can. Helping others isn't going to set you up to be a someone that everyone else walks over. You can help others and be successful. And that's a really powerful statement. And I also think that by helping others, you make yourself more successful because you build relationships and you can call it karma, but I think it's more than karma. When you help others, they'll help you back. It may not be direct, but When you can get a group of people that is willing to help others, it's great. As a leader in a company, your success should not be judged by what you do, but what why the whole group does. And so if I can make other people be successful, that's the greatest accolades I could ever get. If you're middle manager and you can get people promoted within your organization, man, that's a great manager. So it shouldn't be internal competition, right? We may have to compete with the company down the street, but we shouldn't be competing internally. I don't think you win There's an old saying, if we see a bear, all I got to do is be able to run faster than you, right? (laughs) It doesn't work in the corporate world. Not being the worst shouldn't be your goal. It should be to make everybody better. Yeah. What are you seeing as some of the biggest challenges with Give It Us? As an initiative, as a company? Is it
1: more just educating people on the importance? Because, again, I don't want to talk about pricing, but it seemed to me like a really good value. I I was shocked. At the sticker price, and not having a sticker price. To me, it was like, why wouldn't somebody embrace this for the value that they're going to get right, right. out of this? So to me, I can't see that as a stumbling block. Right. So do you have, when you're approaching companies
0: about embracing this, is yeah. there... There's is, always challenges sure. there Yeah. One is selling into the enterprise is... Uh, long, hard, painful process. We knew that. Yeah, I mean, we've done it before, but it is a long, hard, painful process. And organizations to protect themselves put you through a lot of hoops about security and privacy. And it's critical. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's a burden and we do it. And so getting past that is a huge step forward for a young company to be able to check the box that says, yes, we can pass your security audit. Yes, we can pass your privacy audit and on and on and on. But that's obviously a challenge. Getting the word to people and spreading the word is obviously a challenge and an important aspect as well. And then I would say the other challenge is at first blush, when you think of our product, you might think it's the same as, another tool, a collaboration tool like Slack. Oh, we hear, oh, I can do that in Slack. Give us five minutes and we'll explain why it's so different and why it's so complimentary to Slack, then people get it. So that's obviously a challenge that's easy to overcome. When you're dealing with large enterprises, sometimes the person you're selling to has to go and sell that internally. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges for all companies that are selling in large companies, right? Sometimes the ultimate decision maker doesn't wanna meet with a vendor, which I get. I do that when vendors call on us. (laughs) I do it all the time, I guess. But uh, I guess I'm (laughs) a bad guy there. All right, I'm going to change. I'll change. (laughs) But the reality is, is you've got to make sure your message is compelling enough to the person across the table that they can carry that forward. And that's a really important part. And it takes time for a company to get there, in all honesty, to figure out what's the right way to talk about it, not only to convince the person across the table, but to arm them with what they need to go to their boss or their Economic buyer or the person that's controlling the budget or the IT group that's controlling what tools come in and what tools don't Yeah, what will you be able to produce quantified
1: results? You can yeah. do that already or yeah, it's, we, it's on the we, table?
0: So it's a bit of an evolution, but yeah, we can do some of that already So one thing is we see who's interacting with who we see the new relationships that are created So we do some network analysis of the participants and we can see how that network changes over time So that's really does, powerful. Does
1: ONA relate to this? It's, yeah,
0: it's basically but just oh, for the for, people. For those who don't know, yeah, yeah you can probably go ahead, explain no,
1: an uh, operational network analysis, mm-hmm. and maybe you can explain what that is yeah. way better than me. Yeah, I, don't I think know. that's probably how you do it too. The, the buck just ended <laughs> for me right there. <laughs>
0: so. It's really seeing how people are interacting, yeah, right? right? And so you look at a network diagram and see who's connecting with who, and we can show that for our use in the platform, for people's use in the platform. So you can see who's helping who, who's giving to who, who's getting help from others, and you can actually sometimes you'll see a cluster here and a cluster here and there's one connector, which is okay, but if you, imagine if I can get everyone together. So we were actually talking to some investment companies. They, they invest in venture firms, and they'll have 40 or 60 different portfolio companies, and the, the venture guys always say, oh, we got a great network of companies here, you'll learn so much from them. But the only way you really learn from them is by going through the venture partner. He becomes a, He's a, a concierge, for, uh, right, yeah. you know? And that's not really what they're there for. They're there to find and invest and help companies, true, but not by just being a matchmaker. So if we can bring those people together in a network, it happens by itself. So looking at that network analysis is really, really powerful and starts to show some of the value you get. Also seeing, the kinds of requests that are being asked and the amount of offers of help that they're getting is another quantifiable metric. And then it shows we're, there's a need. Yeah, also. exactly. Shows that there's a need. Shows what kinds of things people need. Ultimately, we're sort of capturing an organizational memory of the most asked questions and the best answers, and that's a huge value to an organization as well. Do you have systematic problems that you can fix? Maybe with onboarding. Maybe with other tools within the organization, maybe with better practices, policies, and procedures, right? I may be able to take that problem and never see it again because I see that if one person's asking it, all right, maybe it's not a problem. But if 40 people are asking it over a six-month period, you've got a recurring theme. Let's solve it. How important is someone in an organization that has a high level of social capital? I think the difference between success and failure is more and more becoming social capital. Human capital is skills and talents. That's what we used to think it was all about. But I think as we as organizations mature, we realize it's about the relationships. And it's so much harder now than it ever was because of the dynamics of the workplace, right? More remote workers, which is great, but you don't have that coffee room chatter anymore. I learned more in my first job in technology by i called over the cube wall learning i sat next to a guy jim Salins, 25 years my senior probably jim if you're out there (laughs) i thank you so much right but just being able to yell over the wall to him or be able to hear him explain something to somebody else that stuck in my mind incredibly valuable so now you go to these great open workplaces that should really solve those problems and you walk through them And everyone's got earbuds in and it's quiet as a mouse. Yep. And it's actually, I think it's hurting it instead of helping it, right? We need quiet sometimes to focus, but we also need to be able to be interrupted. So you put all these dynamics together and it's tougher and tougher for people to share that information and to help each other. I think it's all about social capital. Yeah, I agree. I would assume that you subscribe to that study they did back
1: That's an old study from Harvard Stanford research, and I think it was Carnegie Mellon. Are you familiar with the study? I think, they did I, think about I know. F- you're talking 15% about, yeah. of the jobs you get and the success that you have is as a result of your skills and knowledge, and the other 85% is a result of the social skills, right. networking, and right. other soft
0: skills. Empathy, things yeah. of that nature. Yeah. I mean, if you think about yeah, it's a great study, and it really hits home. If you think about when I started my career, I guess about 30 years ago now, actually over 30 years ago, that's sad to say. There was less information in the world that we needed to know. And as time goes and as technology grows and as things have gotten more complex and you can call it Moore's Law, you can call it whatever you want, but there's more things that we need to know and have access to. And social capital helps us with that a great deal because we cannot know everything. But if we can get to people that can help us or get to people that can get the job done or get referred to other people, I mean, the power of that is great. LinkedIn, I think, has done a great thing for social capital, right? The LinkedIn networks are phenomenal. It's a great tool for that. And that in itself has made it one of my favorite tools. Social capital is really, really important. And I think that's the key to being successful. You obviously got to have skills and talents as well.
1: It's a baseline. It's a
0: baseline, right? But in today's world, with the complexity of what we deal with, I mean, I could think of example after example. It'd be so much easier to process it, but th- that's a challenge.
1: Obviously, you guys are in an enterprise mode right now. At one point,
0: will there be a consumer version of this? Where it's I'm just, not sure there will be. Yeah. Um, I think that there are some tools out there and platforms that, that sort of do that. I think there will be lots of versions of it that will not only be in an enterprise but will be in a community, an organization, an association. Having some. Affinity of that group together, I think, is a value add and a big benefit to making it all work. Yeah. As opposed to posing it to the general public.
1: Well, meaning like so say there's an individual that's listening to this right now and maybe they're younger, they're starting their career, they don't have, they're insulated, they're introverts, they don't know where to begin. They reach out to on the web to Quora or these, and right. they're not really getting the types of
0: responses, they're not really getting the value. I mean, again, we're talking out loud here, maybe it's just not yet, but. Yeah, it could work, but I think it's distracting to try to sell a consumer product and a, or to build a consumer product, forget about selling it, build a consumer product and an enterprise product or an affinity group product at the same time. I think one of the keys to being successful in the startup world is have great focus. Know what you wanna do and go after it, listen to feedback, you adjust all the time. I hate the word pivot, because if we pivot, that means that I stopped listening to feedback along the way, and I was stubborn, and then I got to a point where, oh, this isn't going to work. I got to turn right. I want to take a little meandering along to get to the right path. Sometimes pivots work out great, but to me, I don't ever want a company I'm running to have to pivot. We're going to change. We're going to evolve. That's what I want to do. But So having great focus on what you're trying to do, and really, really don't move on off of that until you are really, really good at it right? So don't add 43 things into your product at once. Maybe someday there is a consumer version of it. We're talking to alumni associations and things like that we think are a great fit. I was going to ask you about know, We actually have a couple alumni associations that are up and running or small groups of alumni that are up and running within an association. And it's really, really powerful, right? There's an affinity. I didn't know the person, but we went to the same school. And it doesn't mean that we're the same kind of people, but there's a tie. And there's something that we can sort of hang our hat on. And I think that's a really powerful ingredient to creating this collaborative culture. Oh, sure is. So before I
1: let you go, since I didn't really go through any
0: formal questions, <laughs> okay.
1: how about I'm going to let you close your eyes. Okay. We'll oh, i got some random questions right here. Just run your finger anywhere and just wherever okay. you go, we're going to go. Yeah. Wherever you do. Boom. Okay. Teach me something that you have learned that's pretty cool that you learned from someone in your network. This is something that you don't necessarily have to learn on your own accord. like how to tie a slip knot or dealing with health issues. Yeah. so yeah. I got a
0: couple that are, I think, are relevant. One being, I said, know what you know, know what you don't know is so important. I learned that from watching two people, that it really crystallized in my mind why that was so important. When I was starting 4C, there was a business school professor on one side and a CEO of a technology company that was sponsoring it on the other side. And it all happened in an interesting way. I was putting it together and they said, why don't you come run this? And I looked at those two people and they were both brilliant, incredibly successful, and just knew a ton of stuff. But in watching them interact, and intera- the three of us interacting, I realized that they both had a ton of respect for what the other person knew. Right. And that's where that started to crystallize in my head that know what you know and know what you don't know. So I don't need to impress you by trying to be an expert on networking. You're the expert on networking, right? And I wanna learn from you. But there are some things I know but don't try to be an expert in everything. And that was incredibly, seeing it happen and I had to make a decision to join it or not. And that's what gave me the comfort because these are both brilliant, strong-minded people. And that's usually a recipe for disaster. You know, (laughs) one coming from academia, one coming from business, both brilliant, both successful and both strong-minded. I figured I'm gonna be caught in the crossfire, but they both knew what they knew and what they were good at. And they knew what other people were better at than them. And that was really
1: powerful. So in one year from now, when I check back in to say, hey, what's going on with
0: Give a Toss? What would you like to have accomplished in this year? Good question. More success, helping more people connect, helping more people exchange information. I don't know if there's a number that I have sure. in mind of what where we want to be, but it's about having success in expanding this to help more people. It's about evolving and changing it as we get more and more feedback. So we've got, I think, a great product but I know it's going to get better and it's going to get better by feedback. And so if we're exactly where we are a year from now, we probably have not listening. So I want to make sure that we've evolving. I hope we're on the same mission because that means we've planned well. I think those are the things that a year from now, part of what I want to be able to say, yep, here's what we've accomplished. Obviously there's the financial metrics and the business metrics that you try to accomplish as well. But more importantly, I think we as an organization want to help people get better.
1: When that's your mission, that you're driven by something a lot. Yeah, you know, a lot greater than yourself, and I love the saying that emotion drives emotion. Yeah,
0: so yeah. your pretty... Success drives success, yeah. right? Oh, oh, passion drives passion, oh, right? Here we go. There's a lot of them. I mean, <laughs> it just builds on itself, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Wow, I really appreciate you coming My pleasure. In today. It was great yeah, talking yeah. with you. It was
1: fun. To go easy on me with the hands. <laughs> yeah, <man>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I really appreciate you coming on today edifying myself and everyone that's listening about your product i wish you guys the best of success really i'm really behind what you're doing thank you appreciate the help awesome thanks for listening to conversations with connor's a network wise podcast if you or someone you know is looking for a career change building a business seeking to expand sales or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness Then head on over to networkwise.com to gain access to a plethora of resources to help you build your networking skills and community. Those who are ambitious will network. The
0: ones who succeed will network wise.